Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. there Buffalo Bills fans welcome back it's believe a Buffalo Bills fan podcast here on buffalorumblings.com and everywhere else you go to get your fine Buffalo Bills related podcasts my name is John Boccasino being joined by Jamie D'Amico we are celebrating an anniversary of sorts on the podcast we have officially passed three years of having believe be on Buffalo Rumblings I had a different iteration uh, back in the day. We were the Buffalo Rumblings podcast when we were the originals starting off on this podcasting platform. And now there's like 10,000 awesome podcasts that are produced uh, each and every week with Anthony Marino and Bruce Nolan and, uh, you know, circling the wagons and the rest of the awesome crew uh, out there for Buffalo Rumblings. But hearkening back to a time when we were the OG of podcasts on Buffalo Rumblings. It's great to be with you here as we are each and every week talking Bills football. From a fan's perspective, we appreciate you fans who listen to our pre-draft preview as Jamie and I gave you our thoughts on where we wanted Buffalo to uh, to head with their draft picks. Clearly, Jamie, Brandon Bean doesn't, didn't listen that closely to our episode because he did some interesting maneuvering with his uh, turning his six picks into an eight-person draft class. I would say that the draft, if I were to describe it in a word, I would say unorthodox. Drafting two defensive ends and two offensive tackles in the first four picks. Unorthodox. Who had that on their Buffalo Bills uh, wish list. Look, people have wanted to address the offensive line, but they went for tackles versus the interior mm-hmm. guys, and they wanted to bolster the edge rush. Well, I never saw them taking both Boogie Basham, one of the best nicknames out there, and Greg Rousseau uh, with their first two picks. It definitely was an unorthodox draft class, to say the least. Although I will say, at least thankfully, cooler heads prevailed, and the Bills didn't start off round one trading up to draft a running back. Oh, that would have hurt me so badly. Oh, this would have been such a negative podcast had they selected Travis Etienne, and especially if they had traded up to the early 20s for him. Just don't do it. Do not draft a running back in the first round unless that person is going to be transcendent. Don't do it. Don't do it. But what if what if we call him an offensive weapon? Mmm, if we call him a weapon, now I feel okay about it. Boy, you just spun that on me. (laughs) And, you know, I do marketing for a living, and it's my job to come up with those words, but I just bought what you were selling because you spun that so well. It's all about, uh, you know, to to pull a, to pull, it's all about phrasing when it comes to your viewpoint on the Buffalo Bills and yes, yeah, selling a weapon, an offensive weapon as a running back. I mean, that's putting, you know, uh, lipstick on a pig and calling it a beauty queen. I mean, it's not, it's not, you're, you're masking the truth and there's no need for teams to draft running backs 
that high. The Steelers and the Jaguars did take Najee Harris and Travis Etienne respectfully uh, in the first round. Um, I disagree with the Bills having taken a running back. I'm glad they did not. However, uh, Jamie, when it comes to what Buffalo did uh, do in the draft, uh, we all knew since day one of this offseason, we've talked about this at length, that Brandon Bean wanted to address the pass rush, and he wanted to make Patrick Mahomes feel uncomfortable and feel harassed by Buffalo's defensive line. Well, It'd be pretty hard pressed to find another team that went as aggressively after the DEs and the edge rushers as the Bills did, taking Miami talent Greg Rousseau uh, with pick number 30 in the first round and Carlos Boogie Basham Jr. out of Wake Forest with pick number 61 in the second round. Give us your gut thoughts and gut reactions to both of those edge rushers coming to Western New York. I did not want the Bills to select Greg Rousseau. Leading up to the draft, now, mind you, I, I'm not a draft guru, so this is the information that I sort of picked up along the way. I didn't see it in him. His testing was bad. He, his bench press was terrible. His agility tests were terrible. And when I saw a tape of him, I saw a guy who was slow off the line of scrimmage, seemed to win with length fairly often, didn't seem to be very violent in the way he used his hands. And there were, you know, one of the knocks on him was he got 15 and a half sacks, but I went back and watched all of them. And really he had very few sacks from the defensive end position in which he actually beat his man. A lot of them were coverage sacks or team sacks. Most of them seemed to come when he was lined up on the interior. Now, If the Bills are going to use him as a pass rusher on the interior, then great. But he's a defensive end. So, wasn't thrilled with that selection. I'm feeling a little better about it now than I was. But the second selection, Carlos Basham, that was a guy who I liked a lot better. Now, he is very violent in the way he gets off the line of scrimmage. He's a fantastic hand fighter. The hustle never stops with that guy. I think that he's probably going to be a better year one producer than Rousseau is going to be. Now, I realize that with Rousseau, they're looking into the future. And that's something that you have to do when you draft at the end of the first round. Now, you cannot find a player that late in the draft that doesn't have some warts, that isn't going to have a few things that you have to question along the way. It's just the nature of the beast. But how would I grade the the first two picks? I would say they average out to be a B because I give Basham an A and Rousseau a C. It's interesting when you look at what Buffalo did with, with the draft and everybody, I think, I mean, I was clamoring for the bills to go after a cornerback and I was really excited when, you know, Greg Newsom was there up until Cleveland snuck in and took him a couple of picks, you know, before Buffalo. But I I had no problem with the Rousseau pick, um, both in the moment and now reflecting on it, because I feel like you're right. What Brandon Bean did is this is not a draft pick that's about 2021. This is about 2023, 2024, 2025, when all of the Bills' current edge rushers and defensive ends are most likely off the roster. I mean, maybe... 
Daryl Johnson is there as a developmental prospect who has found his way and is contributing along the D line. But I think what the bills were doing was trying to hit the lottery with Rousseau. You've got a guy who's six, seven, two seventy, six, six, two seventy. He has one full season of college football under his belt where he did have those, what, 15 and a half sacks, 19 and a half tackles for loss. I mean, he was a freak of nature who took college football by storm in 2019. And then he sat out all of 2020 due to the pandemic. We found out earlier this week, the reason was he wanted to make sure that COVID did not come in contact with both himself and his mother, who has some, I guess, pre-existing health conditions where COVID could run rampant uh, through her. He's very protective of his mom and didn't want to expose himself to bringing the virus home. Total respect for that. So I think what hurt Russo the most, and I think what really, you know, what Bills fans could be frustrated by is like you said, he has one year of tape. He's a one year type of wonder when it comes to his pass rushing abilities. And he wasn't the most disruptive from the outside. That's true. I'm of the belief though, Jamie, that when you're a freak of nature physically, like he is again, six, six or six, seven, depending on who you read up to 270 pounds, his athleticism, his raw talent is through the roof. I mean, it's, it's jumping off the charts at you. And I do actually believe, even though you said it best that you don't think he uh, is going to be the edge defensive end rusher. He's going to be more of an interior guy. I do feel like with his evolution and with his development, he can uh, find his way to being the edge rusher on the outside that Buffalo is, is dreaming of, but they don't need him to be an outside pass rusher this year because you're going to have Jerry Hughes. You're most likely going to have Mario Addison and you're going to have Boogie Basham who I'll get to in a little bit, but I actually, Jamie, the more time goes by, I feel like Brandon Bean said, pick 30. We're not reaching for um, a cornerback because he looked at the board and, you know, all of the corners they wanted or had high grades on were gone by the time pick 30 came around. And I'm sure they tried to wheel and deal and get out of that pick. But at the end of the day, when it came down to it, they saw Russo as this physical freak athlete with ginormous potential. And that's what they're drafting him on as being this raw. You talk about a guy who's a, a, again, just a talent and can be quite disruptive with that size length and motor. I think Gregory Rousseau checks off all those boxes. They definitely were discussing trades and you can tell by the fact that they took up all 10 minutes to get their selection in. So they were obviously working the phones, but let me ask you a philosophical question here. When you went to your conference championship game and you have a couple holes on the roster, tight end, interior offensive line, cornerback, is drafting a player that isn't going to contribute in year one a luxury pick? Should you be going after players that you can plug in right away that are going to make an improvement to your roster that may help you against the better teams in the AFC? It's interesting the way you phrase it as a luxury pick. Would I have loved, again, to get Greg Newsome or Caleb Farley or one of the lockdown CB2s out there to plug in opposite Trey White? I would have. That was my stated goal with pick number 30. But with Rousseau, yes, the Bills have, I think the Bills have a luxury of being able to go and make a pick that they feel can be an impact player for years to come and not just this year. When you look at 
what Buffalo is going to lose from this defensive line beyond this year. You know, Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison are nearing the ends of their run in Buffalo. Maybe they both have two years left. Mario, I think this is his last year with Buffalo, and I'm pretty sure Jerry Jerry probably has two years, I would imagine, of playing at a real high level uh, in, in Buffalo on that defensive line. I feel like this is a case where Brandon Bean looked at the draft board, saw who was out there, saw someone who was unmatched in his athleticism and in his physique and in his potential. And may, and that's why I have no problem considering Russo and Basham as Buffalo's picks 1A and 1B because Basham to me is really the short-term solution for Buffalo's edge rushing needs. And Russo, if he hits this year, so be it. It's awesome. It's icing on the cake. But to me, it's going to fall on Basham way more than Rousseau to be the one who contributes right away in 2021. And I think Basham is ready to step in right away and, and contribute when it comes to the edge rushing abilities. I think we're going to see more from Basham than Rousseau or than we saw from Epinesa last year. Uh, Epinesa took a little while to get going, but I like what I see of Basham on tape. I mean, I mean, he looks like a guy who is ready to get in there and start fighting for snaps. I, I just, it, he looks like he's got the it factor to me. Well, and and we talk about that it factor. I mean, again, Basham is again, he's not as tall as Russo. He's three inches shorter. He's a little bit bulkier. Uh, he had 19 and a half sacks the last three years, seven forced fumbles, one defensive touchdown, 33 and a half tackles for loss. This guy is a, a wrecking machine and a wrecking ball along the defensive line. And I really feel like when, when Brandon Bean, he must have been salivating watching Basham fall down the draft board. And he's probably thinking teams behind Buffalo are going to try to not even think that Buffalo is going to draft another edge rusher, because how can the same team take two edge rushers in the first two rounds? And that's where I give Bean credit for being unconventional because he, I'm sure Jamie that played into his thought process. If, Basham, who had been projected to go even late first round, very early in the second round. I don't know why he fell to the end of the second round, but based on the fact that he did, the Bills had to say, screw it, we've got to add him because he is such a phenomenal talent. I would imagine that they wanted to go with a different position, and Basham just stood out on their board as being rated so much higher that they just they felt like they had no choice because the quality of the player was too high. Now, if it was close between Basham and perhaps another position that they could have used instantly, I'm sure they would have gone with the other position. It must have not even been close on their board. Yeah, you're telling me that, you know, there's an interior offensive lineman or whatnot that you know a, a wide receiver that the bills are looking at no listen when it came down to it and he was out there it's it was a no-brainer and to me you talk about everything that was lacking with Rousseau the the powerful hands those incredible counter spins if you've watched him get off the line of scrimmage there's a couple of plays where he tormented Trevor Lawrence with Clemson the number one pick who went to Jacksonville good luck with that by the way and I just was so impressed with watching Basham boogie his way across the offensive line and get after Trevor Lawrence on several occasions. He's, he's incredibly stout when it comes to his pursuit of the quarterback. He's also really good against the run too. Yeah. He could get a little bit better in that issue, but I think he was one of the more well-rounded balanced edge rushers in this draft. 
and you find you find offensive linemen on the interior who are going to be able to stand a chance against Basham when he gets that clean break off the line of scrimmage. His speed, the way he's able to get those mismatches and get off the line of scrimmage in a heartbeat, it's going to be a matchup nightmare. You are going to love this nickname. For as long as this guy is on the Buffalo Bills, you are going to really do it up with the nickname Boogie, aren't you? I tell you, I, I, well, and that's the thing. He, um, I think he even has referred to himself as Boogie Basham in a bunch of the post-game press conference or the, the post-draft press conferences. And that's what, are you allowed to call yourself by your nickname? If you are six foot three, 274, and you run a four, five 40 at the combine, it could be as freak of an athlete as he is. I think you can call yourself whatever you want to. <laughs> Because when I was in college, there was a dude whose nickname was Biatch, and he would introduce himself as Biatch. And my roommate said to him, after this guy introduced himself to us, my roommate goes, wow, you've really thrown in the towel on life, haven't you? Yeah, see, that, that, that that's that's one of those, like, are you going for sympathy? Are you going for pity? Um, you know, are you self-loathing? You know, I can I I would never go around calling myself that type of a of a nickname. But for for Boogie and it's really cool. Apparently, he uh, you know, he grew up in, in Roanoke, Virginia, and he was a huge fan of dancing as a child. And so the nickname Boogie stuck. And I, I don't know. I just love it. I love the fact of what he brings his you know, you talk about these guys, too, who, you know, whether they really love football or if they're in it for the paycheck. That's not the case with Boogie. Boogie wants to get after the quarterback. And he's even his coaches from the high school level on up have said this guy is so passionate about playing football. That's where his heart lies. That Buffalo is getting a, a great, great pick with the value at number 61. And, uh, you know, the fact of the consistency of it, too, Jamie, I don't know if you knew this or not, but Boogie Basham, I'm going to keep calling him BB for the alliteration. Um, he had a streak of 23 straight games with a tackle for a loss, which was the longest active streak in the country uh, dem- dating back to last year as well. And he that, that just shows the consistent way in which he gets after the ball carriers and gets after the quarterback. He's versatile, can go from the DN spot, can go from the D tackle spot. And I think he has a chance to be, dare I say, like an all pro player like Cameron Jordan, if he keeps maturing and developing. Ooh, interesting comparison. Um, so for those of you listening at home, we have established regarding nicknames, according to John Boccasino, you can introduce yourself by your nickname, depending on what your nickname is, um, back to Basham. I wouldn't, I, I would have been okay if he was the bill's first round selection. I, I think he's going to be a good player. He may not be a great player. I'm not ready to anoint him anything, but I, I think he's pretty good. And I saw him mocked to Buffalo by a couple of different outlets. He was mostly considered to be an early second round pick, but you know, at number 30, late first, early second, it kind of gets blurred. Well, it's really, again, it, it is, it, you're right, Jamie, the lines kind of get, you know, the lines of distinction get blurred between whether you're a second round pick or whether you're a first round pick. But the fact that the Bills were mocked to have, uh, you know, Basham go to them in the first round, potentially, and they got him at the end of the second round. Again, I'm saying you have to view Buffalo's draft class with a little bit of patience and a little bit of perspective, because these two guys here, I think more than any other draft pick, I mean, it's it's Captain Obvious, but those are going to mold and shape 
how successful Brandon Bean was with this draft class. And when you put them in tandem like this, that's what I'm saying. It's even better for the bills because they're not banking on Rousseau to be that game changer from day one. If he is, that's awesome. That's great. That means Brandon Bean will have found two bona fide edge rushers in the top 61 picks of this draft class to augment what the bills currently have. I'm saying it was a luxury pick, but I think that there's a lot of reason for optimism when it comes to what they can produce. Yes, I agree. But let's talk roster construction for a moment. Sure, let's go for it. There are nine defensive ends now. Is that right? Nine defensive ends signed and on the roster at the moment? So there's now nine. There's Mario Addison, Brian Cox Jr., AJ Epinesa, Jerry Hughes, Daryl Johnson, Mike Love, F.A. Obata, and then Gregory Rousseau and Carlos Basham Jr. That's nine defensive ends. Right. Of those nine, uh, Brian Cox Jr. and Mike Love, unlikely to make the team. So that brings us effectively down to seven. But you're probably only going to have four defensive ends on the active roster. At the most, you're probably not going to have five, maybe. So it's curious what they're going to end up doing. And here's here's something I am predicting is going to happen. One of the two defensive end draft picks, either Rousseau or, or Basham, is going to end up with a red shirt year they're going to end up on the injured reserve for the full season. That's a bold prediction there because I would think instinctually, if if you're going to pick one of the two, it's Rousseau who would get the quote unquote red shirt year because he's just not, I mean, he's, it's going to take time to get his, uh, his sea legs about him. I know he's been asked about it and said he was staying busy working out and being active during COVID when he wasn't playing with Miami and Basham played and is ready to step in. So you're saying that one of the two high draft picks is going to be a non-contributor in 2021. I think so. And the unfortunate side of that is neither of them is going to improve if they're not getting snaps. They they need snaps. If you want Rousseau to be a starter in year two or three, he's got to be able to get on the field and, and learn a few things, even if it's just in practice. He He needs to do that. And unfortunately, if he's on the injured list, they keep they have to keep him away from the from workouts unless they have prescribed a uh, unless they've prescribed like a rehabilitation thing they can't be on the practice field unless they're about to return so if that does happen i i won't be thrilled but how can you keep all of the decent players that the bills have at that position unless a trade happens could you see that's where I was going with this conversation, buddy. I was waiting for you to drop that little breadcrumb there because I feel like, and it's probably, I don't know what the bills would get for either Mario or Jerry Hughes in a trade, but I would, I'd rather hang on to Jerry because I think he's got more in the tank left to contribute. However, I think the bills would get more back trading Jerry Hughes away uh, and trying to recoup something um, for a, a position that they now have a, a bountiful uh, plethora of talent, if you will, along the defensive ends. 
Um, what are your thoughts on a trade possibility? Well, I think that Jerry Hughes has to stay a Buffalo Bill just because he's their most effective defensive lineman. Um, he was, I believe, number two in the league in pass rush win rate. Got to keep that guy. I'm worried that Mario Addison is going to be too expensive to trade, making slightly over $8 million this year. I don't have the information in front of me, but that may be minus bonus money that he's getting this year that the bills have already paid out. Beyond that, if we see a big spring from F.A. Obata, he may be the one who gets moved. I saw somewhere, Jamie, don't quote me on this, but I saw somewhere that unless the bills are able to trade Addison, if they cut him, they only save 1.4 or 1.5 million. So I don't think that's something that's going to really have that much weight because that's definitely out of an eight plus million salary, the bills, you know, there's no point. You might as well just keep him and, and, and find other ways to trim your salary because that's not that much of a saving. Yeah, I don't I don't see Mario Addison going anywhere because of that, because it's just going to be a, a huge cap hit and he's only under contract for one more season now. Well, this season, I should say. Um, now, other teams may find that attractive. They they may like the fact that they don't have to have his bloated contract around uh, into the future. But yeah, it's going to probably end up being a depth piece that gets moved for a low-end draft pick. It's going to be interesting to see how they juggle the roster in order to make it work. Maybe what we have to do, and I I believe I saw this on Twitter, and I'm not sure who, who said it, but it was one of the, one of the regular Buffalo Bills-type posters said maybe we need to stop thinking about the line as defensive ends and defensive tackles and just think about them as defensive linemen and figure out how to get the 8 to 10 best on the field or on the roster. That's good perspective out there, especially with the versatility that we know that Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott love and cherish so much when it comes to uh, comes to their players out there. And, you know, look, the fact of the matter is, The Bills are going to have some very difficult decisions to make, and we are months away from speculating on the 53-man roster and the roster battles for different playing time out there. But you can't argue that the Bills didn't bolster their pass rush, double negative out there, with adding Russo and Basham Jr. And I just, I don't know. I think, think, again, you have to view them in tandem because they are part and parcel uh, with the way that they came in both the first and second round picks. And that's something that is going to help address a major weakness. And it has to speak volumes too to the faith that this organization has in Levi Wallace and Dane Jackson to handle the cornerback role. And who knows, the Bills could still go after somebody. I don't think Richard Sherman's going to come in. I think he's going to command way too much money. But there's a guy, uh, Steve Nelson, who was cut by the Steelers. I think before the league year started, former third round pick, he is a very talented corner who could slot in right away and give Buffalo valuable repetitions repetitions out there uh, in the defense. So maybe the Bills turn towards you know free agencies or cap cuts to bolster their quarterback room. Yes, you know free agency is not over, and to their advantage at this point is that. Uh, anybody signed after the draft does not count against the bills in the um, uh, comp pick compensation. So um, 
that could be a good thing for Buffalo this year. You know, they won't get dinged for, I mean, the Bills aren't going to have any comp picks next year anyway, but it's, it's still good to not count against the equation. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smartwater Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Now, when it comes to the other part of the equation, Jamie, when it, when it, we're looking at the Buffalo Bills uh, draft class in 2021, I want to switch gears to the second part of the, the draft when it comes to Buffalo's picks on day two, where to a surprise of many people, the Bills took back-to-back offensive linemen, uh, offensive tackles even, not even going inside, although these guys do have versatility, but they're huge Maulers and their huge mountains of men in Spencer Brown from Northern Iowa and Tommy Doyle. Oh, Doyle rules from the University of Miami, Ohio. What are your gut thoughts on the third and fifth round pick that Buffalo signed? My gut thoughts are it is said that these guys are going to be projects, but they are huge and very athletic. They won't kick inside. They're too tall to play guard. But you're looking at a couple of guys that with some seasoning could end up being tremendous players. And the Bills are really counting on their coaching staff to take these raw players and mold them and turn them into something. And it happens. Offensive linemen with good physical traits can learn technique and become very good players. I think you're going to see that. And Spencer Brown crashing through the folding table to celebrate being drafted by the Bills. Now that endears him to me, and I'm sure all of Bills Mafia love that guy already. How cool was that social media clip when they're showing him celebrating, going through a, uh, going through one of the textbook trademark tables that Bills Mafia loves to go through? I mean, he's a blue-collar guy. He's someone who's going to fit in so well with this town and with this team's mentality. And you know, the fact of the matter is, as big as he is, six foot, eight inches, 311 pounds, the dude is pretty nimble. Yes. You know, he can definitely get around. I was really surprised watching some of the highlights that he was able to be as agile as he was, given how much of a, a mountain of a man he is. I mean, it's it's one of those things where, again, the Bills seem to go after someone who has unquestioned upside and potential versus being a proven commodity. He had some of the best testing scores in the history of the NFL for offensive linemen. And I can see exactly why the Bills wanted that because, you know, they have two good starting offensive tackles, 
but they're looking into the future. They're going to see how this guy develops over the course of this season, and then they're going to make a decision on whether or not they should be keeping Daryl Williams. If it looks like Spencer Brown is ready to go next year, they're going to be saying goodbye to to Daryl. Now, um, the second pick there, Doyle. Actually, Jamie, I want I want I want to hold you up there for a second before we go to Doyle. So, and not to interrupt you, but um, Spencer Brown, I, I like where you're thinking, and and with Daryl Williams's contract, uh, dollars to donuts, I don't think he sees all three years uh, of this contract with Buffalo. I think that's one of the biggest things that these two picks of Spencer Brown and Tommy Doyle show is that Buffalo is going to give Daryl Williams a chance to show that how great he played in 2020 is how great he's going to play moving forward. But if he falters at all, there's two behemoths waiting in the wings who can step in. And I want to give Spencer Brown a lot of credit. Our listeners might not know this, but you know, playing in Northern Iowa, that's not necessarily a hot spot uh, for, for college football. He held his own very well uh, going up uh, in almost every matchup that he ever had. Spencer Brown has done very well for himself. He did very well too at the senior bowl, which is really where a lot of Buffalo's prospects made a name for themselves. Uh, Bean in particular uh, has mentioned seeing Brown at the senior bowl. That was a really eye-opening experience to see his athleticism. And there's a valuable mentor that has taken Spencer Brown under his wing when it came to his development. It's former San Francisco 49ers, all pro offensive tackle, Joe Staley. When COVID canceled Northern Iowa's season, Brown, who lives in California, trained extensively with Staley. I got to imagine he's picking up a lot of the tips of the trade that made him an all pro for San Francisco. So that's really something that I like to hear a guy who is picking up from one of the best to ever play the game. Wow. I, I hope that Staley is a good coach. You know, they often say that um, those who can do and those who can't teach um, nobody did it better than Staley. So hope that, uh, he can translate some of that into, into good coaching. Uh, now over to Tommy Doyle, what I hear at this point, the fifth round pick is most likely going to max out as a swing tackle, probably a backup in his career. But the thing is with offensive linemen, you just never know how they're going to develop high draft picks flop. Low draft picks are very successful. You can find a good offensive lineman anywhere in the draft. Who knows? This really helps the Bills mitigate the risk of having drafted a a tackle in the third round. I don't mind it because the Bills do need a swing tackle for this year, and then they're going to need backups going forward. Is it Ryan Bates? Maybe they've decided Bates is on the roster, but he's not going to be the guy. That's perfectly fine. That's why you bring in competition. The cream rises to the top, right? Cliches. Yeah. I love them. It's, it's true though. I mean, that that's the, the, the luxury that Buffalo has is knowing that there's not a lot of roster spots that are going to be available. You bring in, you play the numbers game and you get the best possible players to fit on this roster. And I will say, I like, I mean, Doyle is again, a mountain of a man, six, eight, three twenty six. He gets a lot of power within that frame. One of his biggest weaknesses is he's not very good in run blocking. Uh, he's really, he struggled uh, with University of Miami in their run department. He's a great pass protector, but he's not that great in the run blocking scheme. So he's going to have to work on 
um, getting better when it comes to dealing with run blocking and opening up those holes in the ground game. But for someone who is, again, as big physically as he is, it's like Buffalo is taking a chance on a guy where if they hit the lottery with this guy who was, again, a first team all conference pick in 2019, I think that there's that it's a good low risk, high reward move because it's really hard to move someone like Doyle from his spot if his technique and if his fundamentals are on point. Buffalo, thankfully, Jamie has a really talented, high powered offense in this 2021 version of the NFL, and they were doing some things with their third and fifth round picks to bolster that offensive line again, going with Spencer Brown out of Northern Iowa and Tommy Doyle, both of whom again, again, are probably developmental, you know, they're taking a flyer on their athleticism and seeing what they can contribute. And hopefully at least one of them is able to, uh, to pan out in case anything goes awry with Daryl Dawkins. Um, I'm sorry, with Daryl Williams, uh, <laughs> the offensive line for Buffalo, but Another another slip out there, man. Bringing back the seventies uh, classic dunker, Daryl Dawkins. <laughs> man, wasn't he Chocolate Thunder? Wasn't that his oh, nickname? You know it. Yeah. Yes, it was. That's what I and thought. I vividly recall him. Uh, him throwing down a dunk in the backboard, just shattering, yeah. like eviscerating. <laughs> Chocolate. Is, is there a better word, by the way, to describe vanquishing someone than to eviscerate them? It's pretty good. I also um I also like the word cudgel. I am not familiar with that one. Enlighten me. Well, a cudgel is a very short rod that old-timey police used to use and you can use it both as a noun or a verb. You could say somebody's been cudgeled when they've been hit with one of those like very short batons. I see. I see we're we're teaching our folks some knowledge here on Believe a Buffalo oh, Bills fan. Careful, podcast. here comes a knowledge bomb. Woo! Do you know, Jamie, you probably know this because you're a smart guy, but speaking of of cudgeled and speaking of enlightening our Bills fans, Tommy Doyle, the Buffalo Bills fifth round draft pick, his first ever start at left tackle, he went up against a current Buffalo Bill. A.J. Epinesa? A.J. Epinesa. It was at Iowa in 2019, and Doyle held his own against the future Buffalo Bills second round draft pick. So I'm sure that that's going to be a fun reunion when those two get together for the first time as teammates uh, and, and get ready for the upcoming 2021 season. So we've covered Buffalo's first four draft picks, and I want to say I could drop some knowledge on the rest of Buffalo's class. I only know what I've read. Um, I know I love a name alone, Rashad Wild Goose, uh, Buffalo's uh, sixth round pick as the Wisconsin cornerback to pair with DeMar Hamlin, the safety out of Pittsburgh, who I actually think is a really good steal uh, for the Bills to grab in that sixth round, uh, finding their replacement for the departed Dean Marlowe. What did you think of Buffalo waiting until that late in the draft to address the secondary? Well, I really wanted them to select a corner in the first couple of rounds because I thought that that is a position of improvement needed. but. I think overall, if we're looking at the Bills' last four draft picks, I like what they did with the positions because all of them have a path to making the roster if they can prove themselves over the summer. And really, that's all I wanted was for the Bills to be able to find good young players and really finding guys on cheaper contracts. 
all of these guys in the last, what what is it, fifth through seventh rounds, they could all make the roster. That's a good thing. And that's also very unusual because oftentimes on good teams, they're just camp fodder. But that's not how they did it this year. And there is an argument that could be made that all eight of the Bills draft picks could end up on the act, not the active roster, but on the overall roster, the 56 man. That's unusual, but I see what they're doing because they're trying to set it up for when Tremaine Edmonds is making almost $13 million and Josh Allen is making $40 million. Got to have that cheap labor. You do. You got to have those uh, guys on a rookie contract. And I, you know, I think that what I like about Wild Goose besides his name uh, is the fact that he has shown some pretty good versatility when it comes to the cover corner game. He's able to function both outside and in the slot. We know that the Bills love their versatility when it comes to all of their positions, but especially uh, in the secondary, they want to find guys who are able to play both zone and man schemes. And uh, Wild Goose is able to hold his own, it seems like, in both of those equations. And then with Damar Hamlin, I don't know. I think what I like most about him is just the, the physicality that he brings. He is not someone who's going to get pushed and beaten around at the line of scrimmage. He's someone who can hold his own. He's somebody who can really be a physical presence and he and Dane Jackson getting reunited. I don't know. I'm kind of curious to watch out how those Pitt Panther brothers uh, do when they're paired together uh, on the secondary. I think it's a really, it's a real look in the sixth round. You're hoping for a flyer. You're hoping for somebody who can exceed your expectations and for what Buffalo needed finding that replacement to Dean Marlowe. I think DeMar Hamlin fits the bill perfectly. Yeah. I think that is exactly what's going to happen. I think he's going to waltz his way onto the roster. He's, he's a guy who performed well. Now, again, the testing, the speed was an issue and I don't know. It seems like Brandon Bean is averse to hire hiring to bringing in fast defensive backs. Don't know what that's about. But anyway, if that turns out to not be an issue, if it may have been just a testing thing versus, you know, how he shows on the field, they, they've got the replacement for Marlowe and they're probably not going to have to look much farther. When it comes to speed, Jamie, I do want to back up one second. Wild Goose ran a 4-4-1-40 at Wisconsin's Pro Day, which would have been the fifth fastest among wide receivers if there had been a 2019 uh, scouting combine, uh, his time in there. So Mo- Wild Goose is, de- I keep wanting to call him Mongoose. <laughs> Wild Goose. <laughs> Wild Goose is a, definitely a freak when it comes to his speed and and someone who can can adapt well. And uh, you know, Damar is one of those guys who, again, I'm sure will fill a role and make the roster as, again, hopefully that Dean Marlowe type of replacement. One guy who is not lacking speed whatsoever is Marquez Stevenson out of Houston, uh, who really could be a burner. He also could contribute in the return game, uh, kickoffs and punt returns. He had 27 total touchdowns over the last 30 games of his career in both as a receiver, rusher, and returner. He's got some pretty good speed to burn too. Man, that guy, another one who could find his way onto the roster. He seems to me like he's very much an Isaiah McKenzie type. He's kind of a slight build. He's not too tall. He's 185 pounds, but that's a guy who, when you watch him on film, he has 
he has kind of that video game thing going on where he makes the guys around him look like they're moving slowly. And he's also very quick, side-to-side movement. Could be a great gadget player. He may make Isaiah McKenzie expendable, or he may make the team as a kick returner, kick and punt returns. So I, I like the selection. I think he can make the team, and I'm looking forward to seeing him play. He is definitely a taller version of McKenzie. I think he had a 4-4-5 time in the 40 at his pro day uh, out at Houston. And the fact that he was tied for second in all of FBS um, with kickoff return touchdowns, and he had, I believe he averaged almost 30 yards of return on his kickoffs uh, for Houston. Very impressive numbers. Again, more of a slot receiver than somebody on the outside, but that means he has a chance to learn uh, from some of the better ones, including Cole Beasley on the Buffalo Bills roster. So it's nice that they added some speed. Uh, never a bad idea to bring in a receiver like that who can really be a burner. Um, somebody who is not a burner, but who has fantastic facial hair games oh. is Buffalo's seventh round pick. Jamie, you love the mustache of Jack Anderson, don't oh you? Oh my God. It looks like two caterpillars crawling toward each other. And I apologize for all of you dudes out there that have blonde facial hair, but it doesn't look that good when, when you grow just a mustache and all you've got is a few blonde wisps like he did. Um, So there's a couple of options here. He could shave it or he could dye it just for men. Maybe go with a little bit of a a red tone, sort of like what I've got on my facial hair. That might look good for him. Um, Also, he, he doesn't have the longest arms, but he's apparently extremely, uh, extremely good on the interior. Um, I'd, I'd like to see him uh, either remove the mustache or um, or darken it. Yeah, that's where I stand. The fact that this guy lasted to the end, to pick 236 in the seventh round is, like you mentioned, Jamie, because he's not the most uh, outstanding of athletic guards. Um, his arms are relatively short. Uh, he's not fast at all, but he's strong. Uh, he's able to dis- be disruptive when it comes to the guys who are trying to rush after the quarterback. He's a strong dude. He got first team all Big 12 honors uh, in 2020. And the Big 12 obviously has a really strong reputation for uh, all offense and and defense optional. But he held his own at Texas Tech for sure. And again, I want to harp on this. I can't stress it enough, the importance of the Senior Bowl when it comes to Brandon Bean, Sean McDermott, and how they draft. Did you know, Jamie, of the eight players chosen by Bean and his staff, Five of them played in this past year's Senior Bowl. That's Boogie Basham, Spencer Brown, Marquez Stevenson, Damar Hamlin, and Jack Anderson out of Texas Tech. There's so much that the Bills gained by watching, especially during COVID, when they were limited to not having a scouting combine. It was invaluable what those guys put on tape and put on person uh, their displays to show off to the Bills brass. And that had a lot to do, I'm sure, with the Bills drafting those guys. The Bills have always sort of gravitated towards seniors. And this year, I think it's just of utter importance that they have a lot of film on players. Now, interestingly, the Russo pick, they only had one season of film on that guy. But the rest of them? Yeah, I I think they felt a lot more comfortable being able to go back a couple of years on on most of these players. And it's hard to knock a guy uh, for putting up 15 and a half sacks in that one season and not 
see the potential that's oozing out of being able to draft him uh, with your first round pick. And, you know, Jamie, that's the thing. This is a draft process. Now the bills for the first time were drafting as the hunted and not the hunter. And it's a different philosophy when it comes to having that target on your back versus knowing that some team, many teams are better than you. You've got this huge gap. You got to close. Well, man, I guess for most of our lifetimes, the Bills have been the hunter, haven't they? Outside of the Super Bowl era, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, when you miss the playoffs for 17 straight years and you got Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, you know, tormenting you, it's nice that Buffalo is on the other side of that equation. Uh, and, it, you know, we'll have plenty of time this offseason um, to go into more detail about depth charts and roster battles and what Buffalo still needs to do to close the gap. But I feel pretty good about what Buffalo did in the draft. I still would have liked to see, especially when my boy Metafau from Syracuse was available uh, in the third round and he hadn't been snatched up. I was really hoping the bills were going to draft the corner out of Syracuse. They did not. Uh, I think he went to the lions um, and Andre Cisco from Syracuse went to Jacksonville. Um, so, you know, a little bit tough that the bills didn't address the cornerback need, but all in all, I feel like this is one of those draft classes where if you trust the process, if you trust Bean and you trust McDermott and you trust the process and sprinkle in a little bit of patience, I think you will get rewarded with what this draft class can bring to the table. I'm looking forward to seeing what they're going to do, how they're going to put that roster together and how they're going to fill in some of the remaining holes that they've got. Offseason's not over, baby. Give us your thoughts on this draft class. Give us your thoughts on what picks you liked, what picks made you scratch your head, and just give us your thoughts in general on uh, how you feel Buffalo did with the 2021 NFL draft. Jamie is on Twitter at the Jamie D'Amico. I am on Twitter at John Boccasino. You can also comment on our articles on buffalorumblings.com. Jamie, it's been a lot of fun breaking down the eight-person draft class. And by the way, we haven't even talked about this. One of the biggest surprises of the draft Brandon Bean traded back. Yeah. Did you see that coming? No, I did not. I I absolutely did not see that coming. Did you? No, no, but I'm I'm glad he knows how. Adding those extra picks, adding those extra players to compete at the back end uh, as the team is competing for roster spots. It's all important to have the quality and the numbers game out there, and we'll see what happens with these draft players, whether they're able to make the roster uh, and whose roster spots they might be taking. Again, we'll break all of that down for you guys in future podcasts. But for my colleague, Jamie D'Amico, I am John Boccasino signing off, saying thanks for listening to Believe. 